0: Colby Daniels Podcast. What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great week. We have a really fun guest today and a guest that uh, I was excited to talk to and, and learn from, really. So several weeks ago, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see this image of this Mark McGuire painting and it caught my eye because the border of it was the 87 Tops baseball card border. I was a big time card collector growing up. And then recently, my interest in the hobby has picked up. So I see this Mark McGuire painting that looks like an 87 Tops card, and he's wearing the Olympic uniform with the American flag in the background. And so immediately, I just thought, what a cool concept, because for baseball card people, his first Tops card as a professional baseball player was the 87 Tops card, where he's in the the Oakland A's uniform. But in 1985, Tops put out an Olympic card of Mark McGuire. So anyway, so I started looking into what this painting was and who had done it. And I discover that Topps has put out this set called Project 2020. So what they've done is they've selected 20 outstanding artists to recreate their version of 20 famous baseball cards. So it's going to be a 400 card set. Each artist is going to do their version of these 20 cards. And so this, this Mark McGuire card was done by Blake Jameson. And, and I immediately fell in love with all of the stuff he's done in this project. But as I start looking into it further, I discover these other cards that I, I really love. I discover these other artists that, that I think are phenomenal. And and really, to be honest with you, the whole thing kind of just opened the door to a whole new world for me, which is the art world. And it's it, it kind of made it an easier, I think, exploration, if you will, of jumping into the art world with that sports bridge. So anyway, for the last few weeks, I've been kind of geeked out on checking out all of these artists and looking into their other work and the set itself is unbelievable and uh I immediately purchased the Blake Jameson Mark McGuire card which is now sitting on the shelf behind me as I speak but yeah it's really cool and this was a lot of fun and this has been a lot of fun to kind of jump into and be a part of from a collector standpoint and the other cool part is the artists for the most part are all pretty accessible and you can find their work, and, and you can find them on social media. And it's just been something that's really cool. So I just wanted to catch up with Blake Jamison and pick his brain a little bit, just kind of get some insight into the project and his process and how the whole thing came together and his love for both sports and art. And I had a really good time just hearing Blake's story and and learning about the whole thing. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Please rate the podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels, Instagram Colby dot Daniels and make sure you check out Blake's work. If you'd like to get a behind the scenes look at what Blake is working on, he has a live YouTube stream every weeknight at 1023 Eastern YouTube.com forward slash Blake Jameson. So here he is artist from Project 2020 Blake Jamison. Blake, what's up, man?
1: How you doing, man? Living the dream.
0: You are are living the dream. You are living large, man. I see you uh, all over my social media feed like every day.
1: That's the goal.
0: (laughs) Your background, you had an interest in sports, you got into art. Kind of just walk me down the path of how those two worlds kind of met for you.
1: Sure. I'll kind of try and give you the cliff notes. Uh, I grew up in a very creative household. Parents were very encouraging of me to create and make art, which I always loved to do and always did as a hobby. When I went to college, I kind of convinced myself that art wasn't a viable career path. So I opted to choose to study economics, uh, despite my parents actually uh, suggesting that I study either art or art history or something in that realm. And it's crazy like how life all, you know, all comes full circle. So studied economics, got into digital marketing out of college, worked in marketing for almost a decade and had a lot of success and worked with a lot of awesome clients. and. It was for a long time, it was creatively stimulating enough that it kept me interested, but on my 30th birthday, I decided that it was not the kind of life I wanted to live to look forward to Fridays and dread Mondays. And so I quit my corporate job, walked away from a very uh, generous salary and kind of a stability of that like career and started pursuing art full time. And at first I was working, you know, Within the world that I knew. So, because I worked in digital marketing, my friends and, and contacts were all like at PR firms and ad agencies and tech companies. So, at first, I was painting art for offices. And uh, again, it's really cool. It's good to have a niche. And it was definitely creatively fulfilling. Kind of uh, on a spontaneous adventure, really, I was dropping off art to a friend, uh, to a client in Las Vegas met this guy named Jared Fazin who had played in the NFL and now managed NFL players. He really liked my work and he's like, Hey man, I think that athletes would really dig your work too. Why don't you paint a couple of my clients for free? That'll get your foot in the door. I'll have them promote you. And that'll lead to some paid work. And so that's basically what I did. And that was, it's been almost three years now that I've been focused on primarily sports uh, and athlete portraits it's been a it's been a fun journey i've gotten to work with over 400 nfl mlb nba uh, nhl players and most of the time i'm doing a one of one painting for the players themselves commissioned by them i still do a lot of st- or still have done a lot of strategic gifting where i'll find a player and give them a painting for free in in exchange for some promotion that's been part of growing my business and ultimately that led to tops taking notice and seeing the work that i'd done in the sports world and inviting me to be part of project 2020 which has been just mind-blowingly awesome
0: who are the players that you did the freebies for out of the gate to to kind of get the ball rolling
1: sure so the very first player i did was cj anderson he was playing for the broncos at the time this was uh oh let's see late 2017 early 2018 met cj in person super nice guy also from the bay area like myself we met up in vallejo Uh, at this sports complex that he was kind of remodeling as uh, a way to give back to his local community. He's a great dude and I mean, even to this day, he's a good friend, I just texted him the other day. Uh, He has half a dozen pieces of my art and just continues to support me and be awesome. Uh, Second one was a Chargers player at the time, uh, safety Jaleel Adai. And he is also super awesome dude. I met him down in, uh, in Los Angeles, went to the Chargers facility, dropped off the painting, got some photos. Uh, he also has referred some work as well as purchased work from me. And then uh, another uh, offensive lineman for the Chargers, uh, Corey Legit or Legit. I'm actually not sure if it's how to, how to say it, but he was also super nice. So those were the first three guys and it was like, it's crazy how quickly it shifted in my mind of like doing the office stuff to, okay, I'm gonna do this athlete thing and I'm gonna go all in. So like I did those first three paintings and I believe it was like within a week and it might've been even within days, like I sold three paintings for full price to other athletes and teammates. Uh, CJ actually bought another one himself. That's amazing. And so like, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And you know, I'm close, uh, especially with Jaleel and, and CJ, I still talk to. Very, very regularly, you know, years later, which is cool.
0: Tell CJ that he cost me a fantasy championship one year because this dude's (laughs) starting running back gets hurt game week. He puts CJ Anderson in there and CJ just goes off and and, uh, I'll never forget it. But
1: He was on the Rams then, huh?
0: I I don't even remember. I just remember CJ Anderson. I was like, okay, the guy's starter got hurt. I'm going to win this easy. And CJ has this monster game and he was just crushed. yeah.
1: Yeah. He had a great playoff run with the Rams a few years ago. When uh, Todd Gurley was hurt, they picked him up late in the season. He also had a lot of a uh, couple great seasons with the Broncos.
0: Yeah. In Denver. Your story uh, is kind of similar to mine because I, I did sales, you know, the whole like work in a cubicle eight to five thing and yep. the same deal for me right around 30. I just, I got to the point that I, it just felt like the walls were closing in. I couldn't do the office thing anymore and I got into sports radio. And yeah. so like I'm making this transition and, And the first year that I'm in sports radio, I'm making about $90,000 a year less than I was. And I had this moment like six or seven months into it. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Did I make the biggest mistake of my life? Cause all of a sudden, like I'm counting every cent that I have to make sure I can get by. Like, did you have that moment when you went to art and just thought like, did I did I really make the the right move?
1: You know, I didn't. Um, and that's, Really, I, I can't really even take credit for it. I think that because, like I said, I grew up in this creative household. My parents were always very very encouraging of me making art. So when I was working that corporate job, I was actually living in Phoenix, Arizona. I had bought a house uh, because I was making a good salary, and you know it had been uh, basically spending my week nights and weekends remodeling that house, and that was kind of my art project for the couple of years I was with that company. And so when I left, I ended up. Uh, selling that house and doing pretty well in terms of returns on it and a lot of it is because I put in so much sweat equity and treated that house like my art project and so when I when I decided to go all in on the art world career path I had a very nice nest egg of the money from the house and I moved back to California just north of San Francisco to Marin County with my parents and they have they live on this two acre property gorgeous property with two houses, Uh, my grandma who actually owns the property lives in the guest house. And then there's the main house where my parents live. And then there's actually two barn structures. It's like a ranch. And one of them is literally like, there's a horse still there. It's like stables, horse stables. And then there's the old barn that's kind of storage. And so I was able to transform part of one of those barn structures into my art studio. And so I basically had a solid nest egg from selling my house. Practically free rent. I I did like give my parents a little bit of money But it was like, you know in the grand scheme of things like negligible and like the fridge was always stocked with food (laughs) It was like it was it was great my art studio was there and like that was also basically free and so I just had to You know use that nest egg wisely to like buy art supplies and then I would literally like watch YouTube videos on How to do different art techniques because I never went to art school and it was, I was always self-taught. And so I was just, uh, you know, then just focused on the craft. And I spent about six months just working on the art. And even though, you know, I'd share it online and people would say, oh, how much is that? And I was not comfortable selling it yet. And so I'd just say, you know, when I'm ready, I'll let you guys know. So I was in this really unique position where my overhead was really low. I had a decent amount in savings. And so I never really had this like I guess, starving artist um, mindset. And I think that that's good because once you get stuck in that and you literally do have to, uh, you know, sometimes maybe sell your art for less than you value it, then that's tough on your psyche and your confidence. And then, you know, that kind of can send you down a whole different path. And so for me, I'm like always from the jump, like I'm not gonna sell my art less than I think it's worth. And if people don't buy it, then that's just because that they're, you know, that's okay. It's just not for them. Um. Yeah, so that's, that's kind yeah. of the short version. Is, uh, it's been, a, I've been really grateful, you know, to have a support structure like I have in my life.
0: And the cool part about that business is, I mean, it, you don't have to be in any specific place, right? I mean, you can just kind of set up camp wherever you are. And especially with with the world being as small it is, as it is these days with the internet. I mean, it, you can essentially do what you do anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the Project 2020 thing comes along. What Did you just get a call out of the blue? Did you have an idea as to what they were doing? How did you guys get together and that story
1: yeah. unfold? Yeah, so it, it's crazy, man. I think that everything happens for a reason. So halfway through last year, 2019, I had done at that point, probably 300 to 325, 325 professional athlete portraits, but everything was like, it's eat what you kill. Every single week or every single month, I have to go find a new client to buy a new painting because they're all one of ones. They get shipped off and then it's on to the next. And so while the business was doing decently, the only way that I could grow my business is to sell more paintings or to increase my prices. And at the time I felt comfortable with where my prices were at and I was trying as hard as I could to sell more paintings and was kind of, you know, not stuck, but like I wasn't growing as fast as I would like to. And so I figured that taking my art business in a different direction and focusing on something like licensing would be a great way to go where I could have my art reach more households and also have an alternate stream of income that doesn't necessarily rely on me painting one more thing to get one more paycheck. And so I specifically thought in my head, I'm like tops would be the perfect candidate to work with on, on something like this. I grew up collecting baseball cards. I, you know, grew up going to having a season tickets with my dad. And although I had been out of both the hobby and following baseball for a long time, I just thought that it would be a really nice fit. So I actually started reaching out to my friends to see if I knew anyone that knew anyone that knew anyone at tops. I came up completely dry, nothing. And it was like the week after that I had done that outreach and come up dry tops actually filled out a contact form on my website. This guy, Jeff Heckman who runs project 2020 filled out a contact form. It was very simple, brief message. Just said, Hey Blake, my name's Jeff. I work at tops. We have an upcoming project. We're working with some artists. I'd love to talk to you about it and see if you're interested. We set up a phone call. The phone call went great. He explained Project 2020 of how they're picking 20 different artists to recreate 20 iconic baseball cards for a complete set of 400. It would last basically the entire year of 2020 and invited me to be a part of it. And so again, like I just think things happen for a reason and they reached out to me out of the blue, but I also feel like I kind of put that energy out into the universe and I was was ready for it. So it was meant to be.
0: Did you have any input on, on the 20 cards or was that just kind of like, they chose that and and you just took what was out there?
1: Yeah, no input whatsoever. Uh, so they gave all 20 artists the exact same 20 players and within the player a very specific reference card at top. So we have like the 1987 Mark McGuire rookie, um, you know, a lot of players, rookie cards, but not all of them. Uh, yeah, so they gave us very specific cards, but they also gave us a lot of flexibility to say, okay, do a card that's inspired by this. But as people have seen with what the different artists are doing, there's there's a lot of freedom and flexibility to kind of go whichever artistic direction we feel is necessary for our own card and our own artistic expression.
0: I'm kind of curious from your perspective, how much do the sports world and the art world kind of cross paths? Because for me as a sports guy, my entire life, I've always been intrigued by art, but I just kind of feel like a dumbass when it comes to art. So it's like I'm always kind of like staying back because it's just so far out of my comfort zone. And the sure. cool thing about all of this is it's allowed me to to like kind of get involved with it. And explore all these artists and kind of open this door to this completely different world that I really had no idea about through yeah. a door that, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with in sports and, and baseball cards.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a ton of crossover in personality type between someone that's in the card collecting hobby and someone that is an art collector. Uh, we place this this kind of personal value on all these physical items and the value sometimes has to do with whatever the price is in the Beckett sports card monthly, or whatever the last Sotheby's auction was for a particular artist or a piece. But a lot of times what we'll see is, you know, we have like people's PCs where they collect a certain player and they have, they might get this special Don Mattingly card and sure it might not have a ton of value to the general market, but to you it's priceless because that's just, that's everything. And I think that the same thing happens in the art world where once patrons uh, find an artist that they love and really want to support, it doesn't really matter what the market thinks the price of that work is, they are putting their own story behind it and, and their own value to it. So I think within that, there's, there's so much similarities between art collectors and, uh, you know, people in the hobby. And then we also have like the flipper side of things. So there's some guys that are just buying a sports card because they think I can get a quick buck on this. Well there's the exact same thing in the art world where people are going to auction or whatever and they're buying a piece of art just so that they can resell it. And so I think that those personality types are the same, it's just, it's just a different medium that they choose to like express that personality. And since Project 2020, we're seeing a lot of crossover where there's a lot of people that are art collectors of mine that are coming back into baseball cards and a lot of them grew up collecting cards like I did. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that like I've stopped collecting cards for so long. I forgot how much I love this. Now I went into my garage, I pulled out all these old cards and I'm going down memory lane. Like that's like the most rewarding thing to, yeah. to hear because I had that experience with Project 2020. Um, and same thing with, you know, with hobby community turning into art collectors. I've met a lot of people that have been baseball card collectors, found my card through Project 2020, hit me up separately to say, wow, Now being exposed to all this art, like you said, like, can I commission a painting or can I buy something from your inventory? And so we're getting a lot of crossover back and forth. I think it's really cool to see like the blending of those worlds. And really I got to hand it to tops because I think the one thing that they really nailed is they curated such a diverse and great group of artists that are all create very different works of art. We all come with our very different uh, audiences. And we're bringing all those together and kind of all promoting each other and the project and baseball cards and art. And it's just like the perfect storm.
0: Obviously, the world is in a shitty place. But I mean, this thing kind of came along at the right time, because as you mentioned, I mean, so many people are at home. So many people have gotten back into the hobby because they've got, you know, they're going through their old baseball cards or whatnot. And I think at the same time, because so many people are at home, they get bored of things and they're looking for, You know new interests and again like it's like a perfect storm where those two worlds meet and it kind of gives you the nostalgic feeling of the baseball card or at least for me the nostalgic feelings of the baseball card but opening up new doors into the art world
1: absolutely i think it sucks everything that's going on in the world right now it has impacted so many people in negative ways and i almost honestly like i feel guilty at times that i am in a situation where because everyone is stuck at home and there's a lot of uncertainty a project like Project 2020 is getting extra attention and I'm probably getting more sales than I might have without because people are looking for something to kind of cling to. And so in this time where everything's so uncertain, one thing that we can count on is that every Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Tops is dropping two new cards and it's exciting to check it out and see what it is. And I think that it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's a really shitty situation about what's going on in the world, but in terms of, you know, from a kind of a selfish perspective for me as an artist within Tops Project 2020, I think that we have benefited from it and I'm just trying to make the most of it and brighten up people's days and try and share cool art with them and also- It's a great distraction. Know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And so that's, that feels good. That part of it does. I
0: mean, I think we can all get completely inundated with all the, the shitty news and the building anxiety of, of everything that's happening. It, you know, we have bad news coming at us from so many different directions. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't feel bad at all. You're, you're giving them something to, to look forward to and something to pay attention to other than just the, the constant flow of bad news.
1: Totally. Totally agree.
0: How many of the artists did you know or were familiar with before this thing started?
1: Only a couple. I did a show with, a group show with King Saladin and a handful of other artists with the Philadelphia 76ers in late 2019. I believe it was in October. That was awesome. We met in person. A super nice dude. And I got kind of uh, introduced to his work through that show. And I really love and admire his work. And then the other one is Gregory Siff. Gregory Siff uh, from LA, I think just, he's one of my favorite artists in the whole world and has been ever since... I started painting full time at age 30, and I started finding, you know, looking at other in- artists for inspiration. And while Gregory and I styles are very different in terms of the art that we produce, I just think that, like his his brand building. I, I mean, I love the art itself, and and the brand that he's built, and his personality, everything I've just admired for so long. And I had actually reached out to him a few times in the last five years, uh, just just saying like, Hey, I love your work. Just want to let you know you're a big inspiration. And, and I didn't really talk to him until this project and then the project. And we're both kind of now in the same uh, arena on the same playing field. And so I approached him through the project and then we started a dialogue and now like he's, he's by far my best friend in the project. We talk almost daily. And I mean, still he's, he's on a whole nother level in my mind, as far as, you know, in the art world, he's a legend. And it's so cool to see someone like that. That's like. You know we're all people obviously and are all kind of the same but like to have that kind of connection with another artist that i've been idolizing for so long because of project 2020 is another one of those like completely unforeseen benefits that when i got in this project i wasn't even thinking that far ahead of like oh my gosh i might find i might create lifelong friendships with other artists that i admire because of this project and that's been really cool
0: how much inspiration have you gotten like creatively i guess from from what some of the other people have done
1: lots i think that if you look at the whole scope of the project and man it's a marathon we're only at like a hundred and 400 cards and i feel like i can see you you know if you track every image i can see each artist being kind of challenged and inspired and one-upped by other artists and then stepping up their game and and taking new risks and trying new things that's just such a cool thing to see from me personally I had a very direct, uh, inspiring experience with getting introduced to this project. So Tops is located in New York City and so is my art studio. So when I did my very first Cardinal and Ryan, Tops wanted to come out and film that process and also film an interview, which they would use for some promotional content. So they came out and at this point, it's before the project launched, I had not seen any of the other art, I didn't even know who the other artists were, At that, I don't think. And so they got there, and we filmed, you know, the process of me painting my Nolan Ryan, did this little interview. And then at the end, one of the guys is like, hey, would you like to see some of the other art that the other guys did? And I said, of course. And he, sh- he pulls it up on his phone. And the first thing that he shows me is the Urmsy Trout. That card blew my freaking mind. And I think Ermsey amazingly talented. And also just like, again, brand building, like you see his work, you know, it's his. I think that that takes a lot in the art world to be so distinct that like, no one will ever be confused for Ermsy, and Ermsy will never be confused for someone else. And that is a, that is a priceless thing. But seeing how he took that Mike Trout 2011 rookie and really just took it in his own direction and did his own style on it, inspired me to, to I told tops even the same day, I said, you know what? I want to take another stab at the Nolan Ryan card because I felt like the first time I played it very safe. And I was basically, cause I looked at it like this tops is the biggest company I've ever worked with. They've seen my body of work that I do. They came to me because of that. I want to give them what they expect. And so I was kind of playing it safe and giving them what I thought they would expect, given the fact that what they had seen. Once I saw Urmsy's work, I was like, okay, I think I can take some risks and I can, I can push my own boundaries a little bit as an artist. And, you know, it's crazy because I still have the original Nolan Ryan, and then I have the second one that became the actual card. And if, if someone else looks at them side by side, you know, you can definitely see differences. It might be really subtle to someone else, but to me, I can see like, I'm like, I'm so glad that I pushed these couple things in in this a little further direction. And that has only even evolved since with, with cards since that first Nolan Ryan card.
0: I kind of love how there's something for everyone with these 20 artists and, and just the different styles that everyone has. And and for me personally, there are cards that I've seen that just immediately you're just like, holy cow, that is incredible. And then others yep. that are kind of slow burners, like they don't necessarily wow you the first time you see them, but they kind of grow on you every time. And then like one day, maybe you're just in a different mood or it just hits you. Like it's, that's the, I think the kind of cool part about discovering this art world, for me at least is, sometimes there are just days that it just hits me different. And I'm like, you know what, I was kind of sleeping on that card yesterday, but today I just like, I'm drawn to it for some reason.
1: Yeah, totally. And also I think that, um, it's a lot different seeing a card online on top's website and holding it in your hand. And I think we've seen that in both directions. Sometimes online, the cards look phenomenal and you get it in hand and, and it's a little underwhelming. And I think part of that is because tops has been very consistent in terms of like the kind of style and finish of the card like there's some uh some of the cards that if Topps was able to do a refractor or some type of uh you know shiny surface the cards would look entirely different than they do on almost this like matte surface of the cards. so uh and then sometimes you see cards that i at least i do that i see online i'm like oh that's pretty cool and then i see it in hand and i'm like no that is really cool so it's fun to experience that you know
0: Have you done a card to this point where you kind of, I guess, start with one idea and and you're moving along and then you just say, I hate this. This is not what I want. And just like scrap the whole idea and completely restart.
1: No. Um, You always
0: kind of have a pretty, pretty good idea of what you're, what you're after.
1: Yeah. So I will, I will kind of bracket it like this. Oftentimes with a lot of the cards that I've created, I have, I have created two of them, but I'll do it at the exact same time. And so for example, with the Ichiro card, which was my last release, uh, I had done one that was kind of like all really kind of speckled and splatter painting, and then I did another one that was as far as like the mid-tones done with the brush and acrylic, which is more standard to my other cards. So like, I took like two very different approaches to the same card and then put it up to the internet to a vote and see what they wanted to print top, like tops to print. And that's been fun too because then you get people excited and, and feeling like they're, I mean, they are making a difference on what card goes to print. And then, you know, when it gets printed, then they can tell, their, you know, they're going to be even more proud and kind of goes back to having that story behind the art where it's not just like, they don't care if the each row is selling for three X, the retail price on the secondary market. They care that like they voted for that one and it got printed as a card and they're going to brag to all their friends that like they helped make that card happen.
0: I think the interaction that a lot of you guys have had with, you know, the collectors also has been a massive influence on the popularity of it all.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, It's awesome. I mean, like I said, I grew up collecting baseball cards. So when this project started and I started getting back into it, like it was like a fish to water. It was so natural to me to get back into the hobby and be able to talk about collecting cards in an authentic way, which I think that fans can appreciate. And also just like the generosity of everyone in the hobby is crazy where I told them like, man, I basically haven't bought a baseball card for the last 20 years and people just start sending me cards. They're like, Hey, here's, here's something to start your PC off. Here's something. And so like that's been just such a cool thing. And I think that even beyond project 2020, when the project ends, like I'm still going to continue collecting cards, I'm still going to be, you know, on the forums or in the private groups or chatting with friends that, that are in the hobby. And that's, Yet another exciting, like, exciting thing that, like, I didn't anticipate happening with this project, and here we are.
0: What are you collecting? Have you, do you have, have you started something specific?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, Mark McGuire is my all-time favorite athlete of forever, and so I've PC'd him for a long time. And like I said, everyone's been really generous, helping me catch up on all the all the years that I missed. And I also collect Buster Posey. I'm a big Giants fan as well, which I know, like, the A's and Giants seems counter intuitive, but just with kind of the way that my family, like we kind of moved around and I ended up in back in California when I launched my art career is when the dynasty years of the giants and they were winning every other year. And I was going to a lot of games, at AT&T park, have a ton of great memories there and always liked Buster Posey. So I collect him. And then in basketball, uh, I have a small Zion collection. I actually did a painting for Zion uh, when he was at Duke and did a bunch of work with Duke, which I think was cool. But I think that like, I always, and not that he's the underdog because he's a freaking beast, but I really like John Morant. And so I've been PCing him harder than Zion. I think that he's got a lot of potential and talent and, you know, who knows, you know, in the next five, 10 years, we'll see what shakes out. But both of those guys in the basketball world and that's it, that's kind of it so far. But, um, I feel like all the time I'm like thinking of new players I'm like, Oh, that would be a fun one to collect. And it's not, always, like I said, it's not always like the Zions or the LeBrons or the Michael Jordans. I kind of like, you know, I don't know. I like the Mark McGuire's and the Buster Posey's and the John Morant's, you know.
0: Would, do you think Project 2020 would work with a basketball set or a football set? Or do you think like baseball is kind of the perfect
1: storm? No, man, basketball or football would be awesome. And I hope, I mean, I think that Tops has really proven the model and shown that shown what's possible. Now we did get this perfect storm where it would be really hard to replicate, I think the success and really the magnitude of Project 2020. But I think that, you know, we're gonna see a company like Panini uh, explore kind of a, their own variation of it. I think it would be super fun if Panini incorporated some of the artists from Project 2020. I would love for that to be me. Uh, I don't know whether or not that would make sense to them or not. They might want to like take ownership and do their own thing and say, no, we don't want any association, but I think there could be a lot of benefits because if they pull in some 2020 artists and then we have this built in fan base that already are literally collecting our art cards, I think that, and also if they see like what we've been doing, engaging with community and understanding that like, we're going to bring a lot more to the table than just a painting. So I would love to see it happen. I'm definitely most knowledgeable about football just because I have painted more football players than anything else. But I also learn pretty quick. And when I do something, I go all in. So if I was recruited to do a basketball project, I would be up in the basketball forums. I'd be playing fantasy basketball. I'd be, you know, I'd be watching as many games as I can, which is now like what I'm doing with baseball. So, yeah, I hope it happens. And if it does, I hope I'm a part of it.
0: Are you completely geeking out on the fact that we basically have live sports almost all day, every day, at least for the past like five or six days?
1: I am. I think it's awesome, but it's like I almost feel like I don't want to get too attached because <laughs> I don't have confidence that it's going to last a full season. I wish that it did, but I also, more importantly, wish that everyone stays safe and healthy. And so, you know, what we saw happen with the Marlins is not good just a couple days into baseball. So yeah, I mean, it's fun. Watch it while I can, um, in a couple of fantasy leagues with a bunch of fans that I met through project 2020 and some people, some employees and people on my team. And so that's been really fun. I'm very honest and transparent that like I haven't watched baseball in two decades. Uh, probably let's see, basically since like the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire home run race. After that, I basically stopped watching baseball and haven't ever since. Um, and so I don't have, my knowledge of like current players and current teams and even like how fantasy works in general within the baseball world. Like I just don't know. And so like, it's fun, like learning that stuff, definitely a learning curve. And I'm trying to get more, um, familiar, you know, with all the players and, and how all of that works, but it's, it's a process for sure.
0: Yeah. Have you had the chance to meet or talk to any of the, the players that are featured in this set?
1: So Mark McGuire is like i said my childhood icon i have this i mean i have a ton of stories as a kid growing up of kind of my interactions and my relationship with him as, as a fan and um when i did my mark mcguire card it was so special to me and i told kind of these stories on a one of my youtube live streams i stream every night monday through friday 10 23 p.m eastern and i told this story about mark mcguire and i think that it resonated with a lot of people of just like how much the card meant to me and so MLB.com right around that time was writing an article about me and my art and Project 2020 as a whole. Article went really well. It was you know, right on the homepage, like very prominently featured. Mark McGuire happened to be on MLB.com that day and saw the article, ended up reading it, following the links to the YouTube video where I told my story of you know, growing up idolizing him. And literally like later that day, he emailed me and, and, and then later that even later that day, he called me. And so we had a, like an amazing 20 minute phone call and just, he's such a nice guy. And it's, it's always cool when you meet your idols and they don't, they like live, up, they like literally live up yeah. to or exceed all your expectations. And that was the case. So that was awesome. We've also been in talks with Doc Gooden, who has done some collaborations with artists doing dual autographs. Uh, had a phone call with him and that was great. Uh, Through email, I've been talking to Ricky Henderson's people. I haven't talked to Ricky uh, directly, but I've been talking to some of his, um, I don't know, close, uh, I don't know, team or confidants or whatever, whatever, some of his friends um, to potentially do some dual autograph stuff. So I'm definitely uh, starting to get there. There's there's always more opportunities. You know, fortunately, uh, there are... uh, a big handful of the players in the set that are still with us today. There's obviously some that are not, but yeah, it's been pretty exciting. I think the Mark McGuire call is literally like a top five highlight of my entire
0: life. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Were you a fan of the bash brothers? Was, was Conseco on that I list? Do, too? Yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And I do have, uh, I have a small Jose Canseco PC like up here. I have like some bobbleheads and stuff and, and some of his cards, but Mark, I don't know, for whatever reason, Mark was always the guy for me. Jose's a
0: wild follow on Twitter, by the way. I don't know if you know, if you follow Instagram, it at all, but he's, he's a party. The, uh, the aliens and the Bigfoot excursions and, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's a follow.
1: <laughs> what
0: other player would you want to meet? That's involved in this.
1: I think Jeter would be my next pick. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Would be awesome too, but Jeter's cool. It's funny because, you know, growing up in California, I actually kind of grew up hating the Yankees, you know, it's you always listen to whatever your parents say. And, you know, I grew up, my dad saying, we love the A's, we hate the Yankees. And I'm like, okay. Um, And so it's funny, you know, then you get old enough and you start making your own decisions. And, you know, for a long time, I was kind of apathetic. I didn't really care one way or the other. And now I live in New York and uh, when, before when people were going to baseball games, I would go to some Yankee games and had a blast. And so also working in the sports world, I learned to like not have attachment or hatred towards any, any team or franchise because I've worked with players on almost every single team. And I saw this a lot, like in the football world, like CJ Anderson, we talked about, you know, he got, he was on the Broncos and yeah, you know, I thought the Broncos were okay. And then he, you know, I painted with him and I thought him was great. And I was like, all right, I'm buying all this Broncos gear. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm a Broncos fan when, whenever they're not playing the 49ers, cause I'm a 49ers fan too. And then he got traded to Carolina Panthers and I'm like, all right, well, I don't really care about the Broncos. If CJ's not there, I'm going to follow the player and not the team. So uh, I didn't go hard, like buying a ton of Carolina Panthers gear, but, you know, I was like, all right, I'm a Panthers fan. And then he gets traded to the Raiders for like a second. And then he gets traded to the Rams. And so I'm like following the dude. And then I realized, I'm like, you know what? The team doesn't really matter. It's about the individuals. And I think about that too, in terms of like, you know, even with tops, I like tops, tops gave me amazing opportunities, but I really like Jeff Heckman who like found me, talked to me, believed in me and gave me this opportunity. So if Jeff were to leave tops and go to Panini tomorrow, I'd be like, I'd be like, cool, Panini's cool. I'll, I'll follow Jeff. So yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like that for me with like, you know, teams and stuff. Warriors for yep. the NBA? Yep, yeah, I just painted Steph Curry last night. Nice. I'm doing a collaboration with him. He's gonna sign the piece. We're gonna auction it off for a Bay Area COVID charity. Uh, TBD, I'm gonna let him and his people pick whichever charity he wants, but That's been a long time in the works and I feel bad. Like I got so busy with project 2020 that I got to do things like put Steph Curry on hold for two or three months, which is like such a weird position to be in, but you know, it is what it is. And I'm trying to get through my pipeline as much as I can. I do a lot of charity work and I also have a handful of commission like waiting lists. So trying to balance all of that. But yes, Warriors for sure.
0: How were the last few years for you? Because you guys were kind of like the hated by the entire NBA after Kevin Durant makes the jump. And they're probably gonna end up with like a number one draft pick.
1: Yeah. I mean, so it's it's kind of like uh like I said, like I follow the players more than the teams, and so I actually have paint I painted for Draymond Green. Um I had done a painting for Steph before for just uh, like a free painting that I, I didn't get to meet him, but I gifted it to him through a friend. And so it's fun now that we're coming back full circle and getting to work with them. So like I was there in the Bay and it was really around the same time when the giants were like killing it, that the warriors had their like dynasty. And so it was like a really, really good time to be in the Bay area. And um, yeah, as far as the last few years, you know, I moved to New York two years ago. And so I haven't been following as much of the warriors as I had before. Uh, when I was living there and like going to games, one sure. of my collectors had floor seats uh, and like a skybox, And so like, I would get to go to games and have just this unreal experience, literally like, it's so crazy sitting courtside and seeing how tall these dudes actually are. Cause you don't really get the actual like concept. At least I don't like on TV. Like I always thought like, to me, like Steph looked like kind of a smaller guy, you know, he's oh, yeah. he's not the tallest dude, right? And then you get out there and he's still like, I don't know, six, six or something. And you're just like, holy <laughs> crap. So Yeah. I mean, I followed them more when I was local in the Bay area. I don't know. I haven't followed them that recently. If they end up with a high draft pick, I think that's great. I mean, I think there's so much talent on that team. Also Steve Kerr, I just think is such a good coach that I think if he, if he, if he decides it's time to just spend some time rebuilding and letting players heal, I believe that that's the best thing to do in the long term. I have total trust in him and I would love to see the, uh, some championships return to the Bay Area, both, you know, through the Giants or the or the A's. I still like the A's, too. Or the Warriors. I think uh, any of that would be great. San Jose Sharks, too. Argue. There you go.
0: There you go. You mentioned being a baseball card collector growing up. If there were yep. to be, just hypothetically, a Series 2 of this, and you had your input on what original cards would be included, what would you want to recreate?
1: So... Are you talking about like players that weren't included in 2020 that I think could be fun to do in a future set
0: you could, or yeah, or specific cards, like just, you know, random, whatever from, you know,
1: 85 yeah. so-and-so right. yeah. or like. Sure. So, I mean, I think like less like maybe specific cards, but players. So like mantle would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Big Ruth would be fun. Lou Gehrig, like some of the, o- like real OGs, I think would be really, really fun to do. And then on the total flip side of that, it's, uh, not disappointing, but it's interesting that only one, you know, the Mike Trout is the only player that's active and it would be really fun to see a set that was active players. And maybe it's, you know, some of them are the proven guys like the Trouts, but, um, you know, Bryce Harper would be a fun one. And then also some prospects, I think it'd be really cool too. Um, you know, I'd love to uh, do Dominguez or Bobby Wood Jr. or, you know, any, any of these up and coming guys too. Um, or like the young players that that are showing a lot of promise. So you could go in so many different directions with it. And that's, that's kind of uh, the magic. And I think that tops did do a good job in picking the ones that they did. But I also think there's so many opportunities to go follow up with the set of current players or the set of like, you know, the legends, whatever, whatever it is.
0: You had mentioned going to, to games courtside and, and just, you know, the opportunities and the the doors that open through your business with the project 2020, like how much do you anticipate that's going to change or grow once, you know, things somewhat get back to normal. Cause I Man. imagine, I imagine it's just going to be a whole new world for you when, when we're all kind of let out of the cages.
1: Absolutely. Um, and a good example is the national, and I don't know whether or not it's going to happen. I know they rescheduled it for, December. They're doing, not them, someone else is putting on uh, kind of an online digital conference this weekend called hobby Palooza, which I'll be presenting at or speaking at, which is going to be fun. But yeah, I mean, when people can all congregate again uh, like going to the national would be absolutely amazing. I think that uh, it'd be so fun to meet a lot of these people that I met online and meet them in person when sporting events happen again. I mean, I've got, now I've got kind of a, uh, moonshot goal of getting like a like a sprinter van tricking it out like a mobile mobile art studio <laughs> and then taking a road trip and going to baseball games tailgating and painting live in the parking lot of a tailgate and uh, kind of promoting my art and like meeting fans that way so that's definitely the type of idea that I think now like at one point in my career I might have been like yeah that'll happen like in 10, you know, that like, who knows when that'll happen. And now I'm like, well, if sports happen again, like feasibly, I could do that. And so it's definitely opened up a lot of doors and opportunities in that sense.
0: Do you have a favorite card of yours that you've created?
1: Yeah. The Mark McGuire hands down. It's just, um, it meant so much to me growing up and I was able to use the 87 tops rookie that they gave us as the reference card, but still I put the American flag in the background. I put him in the red Jersey kind of as a nod to the team USA 85, which some people consider as true rookie. And so that one just meant so much to me. And the fact that like, then it got picked up by MLB. And then that led to like Mark calling my phone, like later that day yeah. just uh, is beyond words to me. So it's going to be really hard to top that. I think outside of that, usually my favorite card is whichever one I just released. So I just did <laughs> a card and, and, and that's intentional. Like, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's spring training or preseason like you got to treat that game like it's game 7 and I try to do that within my own head for each art piece that I do and so like every card that I every once a card is finished I'm like okay that's in the past how can I make how can I improve on the next one So, yeah, Mark McGuire is my, like, forever favorite. And then my second favorite close behind is whichever one I'm currently working on. Nice,
0: nice. The McGuire one is is my favorite as well. Like you said, the merge of the Olympic card and the 87 Tops card, like, that's really the card that, made me aware of the project i didn't have any idea it was going on i saw a photo of it online and i was like what the hell is this it looks amazing uh the merge of those two things and and that kind of opened the door to project 2020 for me so what (laughs) i I, like not necessarily what is your favorite card of everybody else but like what are maybe a, a few of the cards that you really like that the other artists have done
1: sure um Okay. So it's another Mark McGuire card, but I think that Gregory Sif's Mark McGuire, which was the big Mac, you know, the hamburger card is just brilliant. And I think that something that's so cool about that is that you see it and then you're like, Oh, of course, like, you know, I should have thought of that. Right. It's so simple, but I think that's the difference between, um, great art or great artists and aspiring artists is the great artists just do stuff and uh and act on their instincts or, or try or take risks and try different things and so that card to me is definitely one of my favorites the Ermsey trout i'm just never going to forget how that impacted me just when i saw it it was such like a jolt that i just absolutely love it and i feel like it's one of the iconic cards of the set um in my mind uh i thought f dots um uh, Jeter card that just came out pretty recently was was great as well as his actually the Cal Ripken was really cool where he was holding the iron yeah. I beam, so that was super cool. Um, man, I love all the King Saladin stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the one that jumps out to me the most is his Griffey, um, which was the early card in the set, and just again one of those iconic cards where when I think of Project Twenty Twenty, like that's one of the cards that comes to mind. I think it's great. Um. Ben Baller, I think is, is also super cool. His Don Mattingly that just came out was super awesome. Um, I think it's, yeah, like I said, like every artist I think that I see, I feel like is always being inspired either by themselves or by the other artists and they want to push the envelope and they want to uh, take chances and push their art. Um, we've seen that like with JK five, I think his art is just absolute. like, he's just ridiculous. He's, I, I can't even, I can't even, do anything yeah I don't know it's just it's it's so crazy and he's another one like you see his work it's never going to be confused with anyone else you know that it's him also just super nice guy so like I love seeing the evolution of his art where now we started out all black and white black line work over white now we got uh was it the Derek Jeter card and we've have almost full color and and you can see kind of the evolution of the first time he introduced color was the Ichiro and he had the red dot with for the Japanese flag and then he put in uh he had like the red beam from like the cyclops kind of beam in the trout. And so like and then you just see that kind of grow. Bob Gibson actually was another very colorful card for him, so that was fun to see. And so man, it's tough to pick favorites. I could, just, I, could <laughs> right. honestly, I could go on all day and I could I'd eventually end up listing every single artist and every single card that they did. And uh yeah, I mean it's just it's awesome to that's see. That's why
0: I say it's hard to pick a favorite, but that's why I asked for like a group of them because it's and it's so subjective as well. And and sometimes your yep. your you know, it it changes from day to day. How Absolutely. much I know that you talk to a lot of the other artists on your live stream. Um, how much are you aware of what they have coming out and how much are you kind of finding out what they're putting out along with everybody else?
1: Um, So I have kind of a core. I would love to talk to every single artist in the project, um, whether it's on my live stream or not, because everyone's different. Some people don't want to put themselves out there in that way. I love to be out and engaging and talking to fans and sharing my process. Some artists are more, uh, reclusive and kind of private about their artistic practice and I respect that. Uh, there are a handful of artists, Gregory Siff, Dot, Ben Baller, Sophia Chang, JK5. I, I'm typically in the loop with what's going on there to varying degrees. Like I said, Gregory Siff and I talk definitely weekly, oftentimes daily. We're always saying, yo, this is what I got next or what do you think about this or what should I do here? So that's super fun. Same thing with Dot; He's local. He's Brooklyn guy pretty close to me um then like Sophia and JK5 definitely a little bit less but like I will see some previews sometimes and and share stuff with them as well so it's uh Ben Baller same thing like we we do share each other's progress a little bit so yeah varies
0: with the remaining cards that you are going to do do you have an idea for each of them like what have you already like kind of in your head seen what you want to do or is that going to be something that just kind of unfolds when that card, you know, eventually comes up on the calendar?
1: Yeah, so sometimes I do. So if people saw my Don Mattingly card, which uh, I've kind of flipped the two images. So it had the, the action shot in the field and then it had the mug shot small in the corner and I, I reversed those. And so there's a few situations like the Ted Williams card that is my next card that comes out a, next Wednesday, actually a week from today. I'm reversing the two images from the original card, and I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, with the Ken Griffey card, which is my following card, I believe that comes out the third week of August. I was very very excited to do a backwards hat, and uh, I just saw Mr. Cartoon Mr. Cartoon, did Cartoon that. beat you to it. I know, and it's crazy. <laughs> like I had told, I mean, I told, I'd said it on some podcasts. I told, it's not like a huge secret. Yeah. Uh, but I had told, I checked in with the few artists that I know. I said, Hey, this is what I'm going to do for Griffey. Do you know anyone that's doing it? They're all like, nah, nah, you're going to be, you know, you'll get that first. And uh, I was confident. I finally like tops only gives us a couple cards at a time. And so as soon as I got assigned Griffey, I'm like, yes, that just means there's only one or two Griffey's out before mine. And there's a very high probability. I'll be the first to do the backwards hat. Then Mr. Cartoon comes and, and kills it. And I think that he did a great job. So now I'm kind of like, rethinking because mine will be the next Griffey that comes out, I believe. And like, do I want to do a back to back backwards hat one? Are people just gonna be like, Oh, he just copied Mr. Cartoon, which I, I don't really care if they, I don't care what people say about my art. Cause it's what he's lot. known
0: for though. I mean, like, yeah, I would say do, yeah, I do your, do your vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I have plans for those two. And then, so for the other cards, I don't necessarily have uh, a ton of specific plans, although I am planning on making, all the horizontal cards, like the Sandy Koufax card is horizontal. I'm going to make everything vertical. Uh, I had kind of gone back and forth on that. I want to have a nice clean artist set. I was made aware when I first kind of made that clear to the public that that's what I was going to do. Then some people said, well, no, I'm collecting all the Sandy Koufaxes. And if you do that, you're going to mess up my horizontal set. Well, there's other artists that have done vertical cards, horizontal or vice versa. So at this point I'm like, all right, all bets are off. I can do whatever I want that's best for me and my set. So I will be making everything vertical. So that is another decision that's been made, but still a lot more to decide, which is exciting. (laughs) So is the Ted Williams done or
0: are you still, are you still doing work on that one? How far before the release of it? Like, do you take it all the way up to like, is there a, is there like a zero hour and you're working all the way up to that?
1: Yeah. Uh, basically, (laughs) I mean, I'm, uh, You know, as long as my card is submitted before the day before, it's not an issue to go to print because it's, because it's like uh prints, you know, they won't print until after the sale and stuff like it gives them time. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was like, there was a, with my Mark McGuire card, I had submitted the card two or three days before and the day before they gave me, I had to make a revision. Uh, I actually had to change the number on the Jersey because I had put number 41, which was his team USA number. and at the last second they decided that they wanted to keep it 25 and keep it more true to the the 1987 card so you know they came to me 24 hours before and said you need to redo this and i said okay let's make it happen and i did it and so because of that you know i think that a tops knows that i can work quickly under a deadline if i have to and b like if they're going to ask me to make a change 24 hours before they're going to give me a little bit of flexibility to like wait till then to like submit something. Um, and outside of that, like I've never had to change anything about a single card and I knew that that was kind of a risk. So they kind of know what to expect from me. Now I'm not going to do anything crazy out of the box that they're going to say, Oh no, we have to, you know, this one is not going to clear MLB or the players, uh, you know, approval for licensing. It's all, it's pretty straightforward at this point.
0: What's the plan once this is all done and, and you know, you're, you're uh, looking for the next big thing.
1: It's a great question. Um, like I said, I I plan to keep uh, collecting and hopefully continue to work in the hobby. Whether it's uh, I've I haven't really gotten to details with Tops, but they've expressed that there could be some possibilities to continue working together in in some capacity. I'd absolutely love to continue working with Tops. It's been a it's been a really positive experience for me. I would love to explore working with other companies uh, like Panini and do some basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if I look at where I was six months ago before the TOPS project launched, I couldn't have guessed that I'd be like here talking to you right now today. I was very grateful to have a project that was gonna keep me busy and having a small royalty where I'd be able to stay afloat and, and maintain my art studio and keep paying rent throughout COVID is, was enough for me and I was really happy. I didn't know these crazy places that the project was gonna take me and that was only six months ago. So to try and predict what's gonna happen in another six months I feel like is almost, um, silly to even try because i just have no idea where where things are going to go next
0: what do you enjoy doing artistically that's non-sports related
1: portraits are definitely kind of my bread and butter and i really enjoy making portraits but i i will just take a personal day or personal evening and paint something completely different out of my normal wheelhouse i have some very large abstract works that i think are to me just very pleasing um and fun to look at and those are hanging in my art studio and in my house Uh, I will do portraits too outside of the athlete sector, so I'll oftentimes, when I do that, I'm painting portraits of other artists that inspire me. So I've got like a Picasso and a Basquiat, a handful of Basquiat's and Warhol's where I've painted iconic photos of them, which I really like. And then I have done uh, some kind of celebrity type stuff. I did a Howie Mandel painting uh, for Howie and I actually painted it in his studio in LA and we filmed this little skit together that was super fun super nice guy that was an exciting one because that was the first time that i was painting like somebody famous that my parents were like whoa (laughs) you know they were always happy like you know i I had done uh, a painting of gary vaynerchuk and they didn't really know they didn't know who gary was and i gave that to gary and they're like okay well that's cool and then i and then i you know i did some others kind of like that and then i did howie and they're like whoa like that's really cool and i told howie that i was like you're like the first person i painted that my parents were like legitimately like impressed that like holy crap and so he filmed this whole video like saying you know giving them a shout out and um so that was really fun super memorable
0: isn't he like a super clean freak or something like i think he's talked about it or something but he's like a germaphobe or something yeah.
1: yeah um yeah he has a whole book that's called uh don't touch me yeah he's uh he's great but yeah no handshakes all fist bumps and like i mean it's great like now like with covid like he was has he been he's been preparing for this his whole life um, and so you know it's it's cool same thing with me like I've been wearing this respirator mask for five years now with my um you know with painting and like if you look at my avatar on social media it's me wearing this I'm wearing a crown and I'm wearing this respirator and for so long everyone's like oh you should really take that down off social like no one can see your face and I'm like yeah but I always wear it and they're like okay whatever And now you see everyone putting on social media pictures where they've got their mask over their face. I'm like, yeah, about time everyone recognizes. So it's, uh it's interesting how it all comes full circle.
0: Blake, I certainly appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy. I know you've done tons of interviews and, and you've got a lot of work to do, but I've really enjoyed the project. I've really enjoyed your work. Your Maguire is is what turned me on to the whole thing. And Thank just you. it's been a nice distraction and a nice hobby and, and something to keep my mind off of everything in this just crazy time in our world. But I really appreciate everything you've done.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I really appreciate you having me. And is it okay if I plug my YouTube before yeah, I leave? Yeah, for sure, do it yeah so if people want to kind of get a little behind the scenes look at my process help uh choose which card actually gets sent to tops i stream every single night uh monday through friday on youtube 10:23 p.m eastern youtube.com blake jameson is there
0: a reason it's 10:23? is there a story behind that or just man there's
1: like five reasons uh 23 is my favorite number i do most of my best creative work between the hours of 10 p.m and 2 a.m from a branding perspective, it's a lot more memorable than, say, 10 p.m. People are not going to take it seriously and they're going to be late or they're going to forget what hour it's on. Very specific. People remember and they're on time. And uh, it's different. And I like to do things that are different.
0: I love it, man. Let's catch up again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you to Blake Jameson for joining the podcast today. Once again, if you want to check out his live YouTube stream every weeknight, at 1023 Eastern. It is youtube.com forward slash Blake Jameson. Blake is awesome, and that was a ton of fun. I appreciate you guys listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. Instagram, Colby.daniels. I love hearing from you guys. That's it for this episode. We've got the start of the NBA season on Friday, so we'll do an NBA preview. I love you guys. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you Friday.